You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. Well, good to be at church, guys. Um, dedicating children is so much fun, and it's just a real honor. If you're not real familiar with that, that's what Scripture does. You see that with... Uh, you see that with Hannah dedicating her son Samuel to the Lord, and you're giving this child to the Lord with the hope and prayer that one day they'll accept Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. So really exciting time. So we're in this series. This is the last weekend of this series called Worry. Anyone worry around here? Anybody sit by a worrier? Anybody in self-denial about being a worrier? Um, <coughs> I don't worry. I'm just concerned. And everybody knows this worry. So um, uh, let me, uh, uh, let's pray here, God, before we get started. Jesus, we come before you, and we humble ourselves, and we just need you, Lord. None of this matters unless you, unless you show up here, God. So Holy Spirit, work in and through me according to your good pleasure. Just fill me in a, in a powerful way, Lord. Anoint this message, God. May I do a good job for you, Lord. And uh, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you meet every soul here. I know every soul is sitting here because you have drawn them here on this foggy Colorado morning. But I pray, Lord, that each soul has an encounter with you, an undeniable encounter. So have your way and give God permission to move in your heart. So tell him, God, move in my heart. I need you, Lord. Make that your prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I, I got to put my phone on. I'm expecting a text any minute from someone or a phone call, so I just need to make sure that it's on because um, it, it's, it should be. I need to check my Facebook account real quick to make sure to see what's going on in my Facebook account. And you know what? It's really important for me to capture the moment, so I should take a picture also because that's important for me to capture the moment of everything I do. So this is important right here, cheese. All right. So there, that's important. Let me make sure I post it now. Give me a second here. I'll just be a second. I'll just post it and let people... I'm listening. I'm, in, I'm, I'm with you, though. Uh, let's see here. You know anyone like that? You know anyone like that? <laughs> this is just kind of... For some of you, if I just took your cell phone away, that would create all kinds of anxiety. If I just took your cell... If I started scrolling through your cell phone, that would be... There would be a lot of anxiety if I started looking at maybe your pictures or whatever it is. You know, you could listen, and then you could listen. When you're sitting with someone and they have their phone out on, and holding their phone while they're talking to you, do you feel like they're listening to you? Yes or no? No, you don't. Or how about, let's just take it one step further. If they put their phone face up and they're sitting down with you, do you feel like they ha you have their 100% undivided attention? Yes or no? Or how about if they turn it over so the screen is facing the table, do, they have, you, do you have their undivided attention? Yes or no? No? How about, how about if someone did that and then they spent time with you? Do you feel like they, you have their undivided attention now? Now you're feeling good, aren't you? Now you're feeling good. See, um, we, live, um, we live, it's really funny. You guys are so much better. Last week, last, last week, last night when I had my phone and I was giving, going through this, guys in the service started texting me all, all right in the middle live. And I was like, yeah, this is really funny, guys. I'm trying to reach a message here. But um, I want you to hear this. Whatever has your attention will eventually have your heart. Whatever, oh, that's all I had to say. There's Tom. Hello, Tom. Uh, whatever has your attention has your heart. Uh, in, we're talking about worry, and I'm going to go over a famous story 
involving a couple of women who were really, really good women named Mary and Martha. These were really good women. And uh, this story, as I've unpacked it, it talks about worry. But, but the Lord just kind of took this message a little bit of a different direction. And I love the sermons that I preach that the Lord shows me something in his word that I didn't expect to find. And that's this message right here. It's, I thought the message would be about this, and it is, but it, the Lord just took me down a road and gave me some insight that I really had never seen before, and I'm excited about sharing that with you. The title of today's message is, It's Not Yours to Carry. So we're talking about a burden, and when you first look at the story of Mary and Martha, it looks like Martha's just carrying a burden that's bigger than the burden of Mary. Mary's sitting at the feet of Jesus, and Martha's busy doing dishes and all that kind of stuff. So, so initially, it was kind of like, you know what, you can cast your burdens on the Lord, for he cares for you. That's what Scripture teaches. But in this story right here, it's much more than just carrying a burden. It's about what's distracting you. What distracts you? What distracts you? What is it that will get your attention with your eyes? And you'll start looking at it. If you see an article or a picture, an image, whatever it is, what distracts you? What has your attention? Luke chapter 10, let's start at verse 38. It says this, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named whom? Martha. Don't make me do all the work now, church. A woman named who? Open her home to him. And she had a sister called Mary, that's right, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So here's what happens. But Martha was, what church was? By all the preparations that had to be made. That means there's just housework to be done. She's getting the house ready and that kind of thing. And she came to Jesus. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. In verse 41, Jesus says, Martha, Martha. And there's a few times in scriptures when Jesus uses his names over, you know, he did it with Simon Peter, and here he's doing it with Martha. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. This is kind of like saying, Jim, Jim, <laughs> you know, Lisa, Lisa, you know, Tom, Tom, Blake, Blake. You know, it's that kind of thing. It's that kind of endearing, let me get your attention. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things. Notice Jesus says you are worried. She was distracted. That's what we read earlier. And Jesus says you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed, and read that bold with me, only one. one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So what does this have to do with worry? So first of all, have you ever been in a situation, maybe you're at home, and you're cleaning, and the other person is sitting on the couch? Have you ever been in this situation where maybe you're doing something at home and, and you're busy and the other person is just looking at YouTube or whatever it is and uh, um, that's, it, it's, it's not right, it's not fair. Let me just tell all the women, you're welcome. Um, when that happens, it happens. And, and, uh, or maybe you're at church and you're, you're busy doing things and we're setting up and tearing down or, or we're getting ready for church and then you have those people 
who are in conversations that do nothing. You know those people? Or how about those people who are mysteriously absent when work needs to be done and they're not here? Now, for those of you who have perfected your mysterious absence and your unavailability, I just want you to know we all know who you are. And we see it. And we know when you don't lift a finger. And those people who are busy and jump right in are the ones who are, who are working. But we know who you are, and we love you anyway, okay? So in this story, you, you see this story, and William Barclay calls it the clash of the temperaments. But in this story, at first glance, you can look at this story, and it sounds like two sisters that really are not seeing things eye to eye in this situation. One of them sees all the housework that needs to be done. The other one wants to sit at the feet of Jesus. And, and they're kind of putting Jesus in the middle of it. And Martha says, look, Jesus, I'm doing all this work. And Martha, or Mary, is just sitting by you. It's not fair. These dishes don't take care of of themselves. This work is not going to be done by itself. Look at all this work that needs to be done, and she's not helping out. And when you first look at the story, you could easily say, like, Mary good, Martha bad. And that's not true. That's not true at all. In fact, Charles Spurgeon said it like this, Martha and Mary were two most excellent sisters, both converted, both lovers of Jesus, both loved by Jesus. They were both women of a choice spirit. And they were. The word. And let me, let me just say this. The church cannot exist without Marthas. The church cannot exist without Marthas because work needs to be done. Work needs to be done. If everyone was a Mary all the time, nothing would get done. Nothing, we would have a lot of good intentions, but nothing would get done. But if everyone was a Martha, that wouldn't be good either. Wouldn't be good at all. Um, I, I took a picture of this. This is a Food for Hope, and uh, th they meet right here. And this is our, we've been doing this now this year for about five weeks or something like that, five or six weeks or something like that. But I love this picture. This is when they were praying right here, and I took a picture of, uh, of I, love, I love Mike bowing his head and everyone just praying right there. And, and, and we bagged, I believe it was close to 300 bags, I think, this last week. 350, 350 bags. Isn't that exciting, guys? 350 bags going to 15 schools last Monday here, and they were distributed on Friday, and we're doing this every week, feeding these families and these kids that require lunch assistance and loving on them. Isn't that cool? Your church is taking action and feeding the hungry. <clears throat> you guys all right? You guys all right? You with me? Um, and I love that picture right there. I, I, wanna, I like what Charles Wesley, in, in one of his famous hymns, he said this, serve with careful Martha's hands and loving Mary's heart. And that gets served with careful Martha's hands and loving Mary's heart. Um, when you came in, hopefully you got this. This is an insert. We're going to start putting in every week. We want you to know that we have needs here. We have opportunity for you to serve in the church. We want you to serve outside the church, but inside the church is really special. It's the house of the Lord. And we want everyone to, to be involved in something. Be involved in something. If you're not involved in anything, jump in and be a part of something. I always tell people, you'll get out of the church whatever you put into it. And you'll get out of Jesus whatever you put into him as well. So be involved in something and take time to fill that out and drop it in the offering bag. When you look at these two sisters, both of them, when Lazarus died, both of them basically said, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would, have, would not have died. Both of them have said that. They're both good women. Martha feels a burden to carry. 
this, this, you know, the, the housework, but Mary feels a different burden. In, incidentally, what Mary is doing is very countercultural. During the days of Jesus, it was not a place for women to be a disciple. It was not a place for a woman to be a disciple. So the fact that she positioned herself as a disciple and she sat at the feet of Jesus and listened to him, she was putting herself there and Jesus embraced that position. Jesus taught her. So Martha looks at that and sees what's going on, but Martha sees all the dishes and all the housework that needs to be done and that kind of thing. Verse 40 says this, but Martha was distracted by the preparations that had to be made. So I want to talk about that word distracted. Um, that word distracted literally means, in the original Greek language, it means to drag all around, to be drawn around in one's mind. To drag all around. Now your thoughts can be dragged around. You can be drug around with all of, all of those things that are running through your mind. Oh, I've got to do this. I've got to go here. I've got to take care of this. I've got to do this. I can't forget this. I need to remember to do that. I need to buy there. I need to go here. I, I need to take care of this. I need, to, I need to make this call. I need to go to work. I need to, and you can be dragged around where literally you're just kind of doing this number and this is what you look like all day in the morning and even at night you go to sleep like this and you're just living your life like this. And that's, that, yeah, I'll go to church when I have time. Yeah, I know I need to read my Bible. And you're just being dragged around. That's what this word means. That's exhausting, even physically <laughs> like that. Mentally, it's exhausting as well. Now think about this for a second. <clears throat> the Bible and what God tells us how to live life and what a successful man and woman, what a strong man and woman is so countercultural to what our world teaches. Our world elevates this idea of multitasker. You are a multi. In fact, if you're a multitasker, our society places a premium on, on you and believes, wow, you can do two or three or four or five things at one time. You're really, really good. Really good. What's interesting about that thought <clears throat> is... If you look at studies, I'll share one story, a few studies with you. According to the University of California Irvine study, at the workplace, it takes an average of 23 minutes and 15 seconds to get back to the task. So if you're interrupted, it'll take you 23 minutes and 15 seconds, approximately, based on this study, for you to get back to the task. So if you get distracted three times a day, you're losing an hour of work. Another study, Stanford neuroscientist Russ Poldrack said, if you learn new information while multitasking, no, 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 go ahead, I'm, I'm listening to you. Hey, yeah, 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 no, I'm listening, go ahead, go ahead, I'm listening. Listen to this. If you learn information while multitasking, the information can get sent to the wrong part of the brain. And you may feel that you're paying attention in a meeting and reading up about a new creative brief, you know, at, at the same time or whatever it is, an article... But chances are you won't retain that information either long-term. Cal Newport, computer scientist, Georgetown University, said, the idea of, let me just check. Have you ever, have you ever, you know, done, I, have put my, I really feel we're preaching my phone up here. Um, I, have you ever like, okay, let me just check my email real quick. Let me just check this page real quick. Let me just check, check Facebook real quick. Let me just check this, you know, real quick. The idea of let me just check every five to 10 minutes can have a massive negative influence on your cognitive performance, and it's called attention residue. They did this study where they put a group of people together and they had them work on a puzzle. 
And they intentionally interrupted them and studied them, and they discovered it took them longer to re-engage. So the idea of, you know what, I'm a multitasker and this kind of thing, all the studies say, if you can focus, you'll be much more productive, and if you can focus, you'll actually be happier. You'll actually be happier. That's what the studies say. So here's our problem when it comes to, to our relationship with God is sometimes we take that same idea and God is just one of the options. This is just, this right here is, is just one of the things that I have to do and, and it's at the same level of everything else I have to do. And we take this idea of multitasking and we even apply it to our relationship with God. Remember Jesus, he said, you're distracted. In other words, you get dragged, or the scripture says that he, she was dragged around, uh, distracted, that's what it means. And Martha says something. She says something. She says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? What is she saying? Here's what she's saying. In Martha's mind, the burden of cleaning the house was at the same level as Mary going to church. The burden of everything that has to be done was at the same level of Mary spending time with Jesus. Same level. Now, I'm not saying the way to get out of doing housework is to tell your spouse, I got to read the Bible, I'm sorry, I can't do it. That's not what this is about. You have to remember, Jesus is physically there. He's physically there. And Mary recognizes the opportunity. Jesus is not in our house all the time. I'm going to sit with him. Martha doesn't recognize that opportunity, but we can be guilty of the same thing. We can, put every, we can put God at the same level, and just like Martha said, this is equally important. This is just as important as that, Mary, and we can do the same thing. We can say, going to church is at the same level as going to my favorite restaurant. We could say, attending church is at the same level as working out at a fitness club. Or we could say, reading my Bible is at the same level as reading that article or reading that blog or listening to that podcast on social media. It's the same level. Or volunteering at church is at the same level as volunteering for any other organization. Same level. Or giving to God is at the same level as tipping a server at Chili's Restaurant. We can put it all at the same level. Helping to get God's house ready is at the same level as getting my house ready. Hearing a pastor preach is at the same level as a TED Talk or any other video. Or being obedient to God is at the same level as eating healthy food. We can downsize God. We can pull him down to a place that we are comfortable. And we can convince ourselves that it's all at the same level, what God wants and what I have to do, you know, the things that, that is my spiritual disciplines, all those things, it's at the same level. And we take them down to this place that makes us feel good and comfortable where we can go to sleep at night. And he's just another option. The result is we don't go deep with God. We don't go deep in his word. We don't pursue him like a deer pants for water and is thirsty. We don't pursue him like that. We don't go deep in our obedience to God. He's just another option. And if you're really skilled, you can invite Christ into your heart, and then it just stops there. 
Most people want just enough of God to keep them out of hell and reap his blessings, but not too much that demands personal life transformation. You hear that? Most people, that's our flesh. We even apply our flesh to our relationship with God, and we say, God, take over my life and give me blessings, God. Bless me. Give me money. Give me money, God. Bless me with health and money. That's your job, God. Health and money. And to heal me, that's your job. And it stops right there. And God says, okay, I want to do a work inside of you. I want to use you for the kingdom. I want to use you to share my love with others. I want you to serve me with your hands and with your feet and with the great mind I gave you. And you say, God, I'm too busy. But bless me. Most people just want just enough of God to keep them out of hell and reap his blessings, but not too much that demands personal transformation. Scripture says in verse 40, Martha was distracted, dragged all, all around. That's where she was at. It reminds me of James chapter 1. This word drag is used again in the English language. Um, <clears throat> it's related to temptation and sin. It says each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. What's interesting about this word right here is this is, if you're a hunter or a fisherman, you'd love this original meaning because that's what it's about. It's this idea of maybe a fisherman who knows that in this water right here, there's pike, you know, the pike are running right now. And, and they, they, they go after this kind of lure and this type of, in this type of the morning and, and with this time of day, and, and, and they know exactly how to lure them and attract them and to drag them out to go after this hook. Or it's like calling in an elk or something like that. I had an idea, or Pastor Jeremy's idea of him uh, you know, using his bugle to call in an elk. And I thought, how cool would it be if Patty came in at that moment? But Patty, I don't think she found that funny. But anyway, um, <laughs> but it's this idea. And it's the same thing that a, when a video draws you or an addiction or, 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 you know, a prostitute or a temptation calls you out, draws you out, that kind of thing. Drags you around. Here's a crazy question. What if the kind of man or woman you become... What if the kind of man or woman you become was entirely hinged on your ability to not be dragged around by the wrong thing? What if you became aware and said, you know what, I'm not going to let that thing drag me around? What if you became aware of those things that were good and those things were bad? What, what if? What if? Some of you need to hear this. Just let it go. Some of you, it's like you're holding on to a, a cattail or something, and, and you're just holding on to that thing, and that thing is dragging you around, and it's taking you all around, and it just has you, and you know where you should be. And, and even right now where you're in church, your mind is doing this number, and you're being dragged around everything. You need to let it go. It's promising you a life that is not good. Hebrews chapter 12 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that what? And the sin that so easily what? Did you see that? That tells us right there that if you choose to walk with Jesus, there's going to be things that could hinder you. There's going to be things that easily entangle you. Easily. And you need to be aware of those things. And let us run with perseverance. It's not a sprint. It's a life marathon. 
run with perseverance the race marked out for us. All you competitive athletes, you got to love this verse. Verse 2 says, fixing our eyes on who? The pioneer and perfecter of faith for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want you to hear this. You are only as strong as what your eyes are fixed on. You are only as strong as what your eyes are fixed on. You are only as strong as what your eyes are fixed on. Whatever it is you look at longly, you desire, becomes a priority in your life, doesn't it? You know what it is. You want it. Everything else stops. All time stops. Money's not an issue. That's what you worship. Whatever it is that you look at intently, whether it's money, a woman, a job, whatever. Go back to this story. Verse 41. Scripture said that, that Martha was, you remember the word? She was distracted which means to be dragged around. But Jesus says this, Martha, Martha, Lord answered, you are worried. Beautiful. What does that word mean? You know what this word means? It's different. It's slightly different from the word distracted. The word distracted meant to be dragged around. But this word literally means to be in pieces. To be in pieces. It means divide, to divide, to be in pieces. And hear this. What drags you around can leave you in pieces. What drags you around can leave you in pieces. You hear that? What drags you around can leave you in pieces. Now you get dragged around because it's going on through your head and you're not thinking this is going to leave me in pieces, but you're holding on to this and you're holding on and you're not letting, you're, you're getting dragged around and it can leave you in pieces. Reminds me of the guy, the first marriage I ever conducted here when I moved here to Colorado and we were starting Thorn Creek Church. I think we were running about 20 people or something like that. And, and uh, they're not even around anymore, so I can tell you their names. But Josh and Annie, and I married Josh and Annie, I remember, because I had to drive all the way out to Red Feather Lakes to marry them. I thought, wow, this is a long drive. So I married them, and it was a year later, if that. A year later, if that. Josh stops to get gas on 120th Street. And there happens to be this woman there, and he gets distracted. And he says, wow. Next thing you know, he, when he needs gas, guess what gas station he's going to go to? Yeah. And eventually, he's filling up his tank. When he's down at a half a tank, he's stopping. When he's down at three quarters of a tank, he's stopping. And eventually, they meet outside of the gas station. Eventually, sex gets involved, and eventually, divorce happens. It happens. What drags you around can leave you in pieces. It, it's not an instantaneous thing. If you look closely at your own life or at other people's life, all you have to see is what's dragging them around, and you just have to follow that road about 12 months or so, and you'll see they'll be in pieces at the end of that road. If what they're holding on to is not of God, it will eventually leave them in pieces. So if you learn to look at what's dragging them around today, and you just follow those breadcrumbs, it'll eventually leave them in pieces. 
What drags you around can leave you in pieces. This word right here also means to be divided. It's the same word that you find in Matthew chapter 12, verse 25, that says, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. It's the same word, the same language, the same meaning, that word divided. And when Jesus told Martha, you are worried, it's the same word right here. A worried person is a divided person. They divide up their faith. They divide up their strength. They divide up their trust. They divide up their dependence. They are divided within their hearts and you will not stand. Jesus is saying, Listen to this. This is about worry. Remember this. Jesus is saying, Martha is divided, but Mary is single-minded. Did you catch that? Jesus is saying, Martha is divided, but Mary is single-minded. And that's the difference. That's why Mary's not worried, and that's why Martha is worried. She's distracted. She's divided, but Mary is single-minded. And Mary has understood that a relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important thing. And everything else will fall under that. I like the way Henry Blackaby, who wrote a really popular book called Experiencing God many years ago, he said this, a love relationship with God is more important than any other single factor in your life. Everything in your Christian life, everything about knowing his will depends on the quality of your love relationship. It's not settled. Nothing in your life will be right. Your walk with the Lord is the single most important aspect of your life. It's a good word. Your walk, your personal relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important relationship in your life. Your personal relationship with Jesus Christ is everything. It trumps. It's more important than where you work. It's more important than any money you make. It's more important than the relationship you have with your spouse, with your friends, whatever. Your relationship with Jesus Christ is more important than anything else. You being here right now at church, you are investing in that relationship with Jesus. You want to know God's will for your life? Throw yourself into Jesus Christ. You want a better marriage? Throw yourself into Jesus Christ. You want to get out of your circumstances? Throw yourself into Jesus Christ. You want to be delivered from depression? Throw yourself into Jesus Christ. Everything is about Jesus Christ. Everything. He is your all in all. He's everything. And when you look at the Bible, over and over and over, all you see is this invitation to be single-minded, to focus on Jesus. It's all you see. It's all you see. None of it is, you know what, you can go ahead and do this, and as long as Jesus is on the same shelf, as long as your intent is good, as long as you just keep them in the back of your mind and you fit them in when you can. No. Over and over, Jesus says, what does he say? He said to the rich young ruler, sell everything you have, but follow me. In Matthew chapter six, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added to you. In John chapter 15, he says, remain in me. 
It's all this single-minded invitation to say, if you're single-minded, if you're single-minded, you won't be divided. If you're single-minded, you won't be dragged around. If you're single-minded, you'll recognize a counterfeit God when you see it. If you're single-minded, you'll recognize that thing that could entangle you and hinder your walk with God. If you're single-minded, you'll be able to recognize what the lie is from the devil. If you're single-minded, you'll be stronger. Timothy Keller put it like this beautifully. I love the way he put it. The opposite of worry is single-mindedness. If you're a person who gets dragged around, first of all, people see it. What if, what if your strength in the Lord, who you are in Christ, was all dependent on you being single-minded? And notice this, Jesus said, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is what? So was Martha, what she was doing, was it a bad thing? No. It needed to get done. No, it wasn't a bad thing. It wasn't like a like sin and righteous thing. It wasn't like that kind of decision. It was, it was not a bad thing. But Mary chose the what? Better. So if you want to go to another level in your walk with God, you need to be able to identify the better. And anytime it involves Jesus, his church, knowing him more fully, it's better. And even in church, we can be guilty of this. Even in church, Warren Wearsby said it like this, few things are as damaging to the Christian life as trying to work for Christ without taking time to commune with Christ. Think about that for a little bit. As a pastor, and I know pastors like this, being a pastor is tough, and I don't think you should do it. I'll just stop right there. <clears throat> Unless God tells you to do it, and you say, woe is me if I don't do it. That's the only time you should do it. But a pastor can prepare a message every week and look over that message every day, and they could spend their week counseling people, providing leadership to staff and building relationships and having coffee and doing what other pastor things pastors do. They can do all that and he can come up on stage and preach a message based on what he studied during the week. But if that pastor is not spending personal time with the Lord at the feet of Jesus, you'll know it eventually you'll know it eventually. Eventually something will happen to that pastor. And you'll say, well, I thought he was doing such a good job. And the problem was he wasn't sitting at the feet of Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? And we can do the same thing. You don't have to be a pastor to do that. You can be busy doing good things and volunteer here and volunteer there and volunteer there and serve here and do all this. You can be busy doing good things. But if you're not spending time at the feet of Jesus... The enemy's okay with you doing a bunch of good things as long as at the end you'll be in pieces. And eventually we'll know it. The marriage will happen or you'll explode or you'll go to this dark place. Eventually, eventually. But when you say, God, 
I want to sit at your feet. <laughs> That's why we serve. That's why we serve. See, it's way more. It's way more than anything on this, on this piece of paper. It's way more than any of this. This is all important. But we do all this so that people come to know Jesus. I'm so grateful that we're right by a liquor store. I'm so grateful. And every time I'm up in the front lobby and I hear that liquor store door chime ding, it reminds me of broken people. People who have a stronghold. We talked about last week, what is a stronghold? It's a lie from the devil that you believe. But when you say, Jesus, I want to put you first. Something happens. We have uh, our small groups are starting up and Pastor Jeremy, uh, he oversees our small groups and does a wonderful job. And his mom, Kathy Lyon, attends Thorn Creek Church. Um, Kathy, I'm guessing she's got to be, she's over 60 and, and she's just older in age. And she, uh, she lives at the senior adult um, building um, right across or behind Super Target in Barnes & Noble on Washington and 120th. It's just for senior adults. So I don't know what the age is right there, but, but uh, whatever it is. But it, it's clearly people who aren't in a nursing home situation, but they're in a senior adult housing situation and you have to qualify to be there. So Pastor Jeremy asked her, uh, would you lead a small group? And you know, initially she kind of dragged her feet and Pastor Jeremy had to encourage her and inspire her. And she said, all right, I'll do it. You know, I don't know what to expect kind of thing. And then, so uh, she said, you know what? I'm going to pray for two people. So she said, I'm going to pray for two people to show up. Two or three people is what she said. And then she upped her prayer. And she said, you know what? I'll pray for five people. I'll pray for five people to be there. So this is not knowing anything. She just sent out invitations to everyone in her, in her apartment and said, I'm going to start a, a Bible study. And let me show you this picture. Go ahead. 17 people showed up to Kathy's small group. All of them live in the senior adult housing unit, and none of them attend Thorn Creek Church. Yeah. What a message for those of you who are older in age thinking, I'm done. God has more involved for you than a golf cart. Let me just tell you that. There's more involved. God is not done with you yet. And now she, she thought, oh, well, they're not going to, probably not all going to come back. And she says, you got to buy this book to be part of this small group. All of them bought the book. So now I'm a little bit jealous because when I started Thorn Creek, I started with three people. And she's got like 17. So, oh my God, this is beautiful. It's beautiful. I love it. I love it. <clears throat> Are you distracted? Are you distracted? Is Jesus your all in all? Let me say it a different way. You can be busy and not be blessed. You can be busy and not be blessed. Jesus wants you to know him more fully. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence. God, I just, uh, I just know that one of the strategies of the enemy is to distract and even right now, while I'm praying this prayer, I know people are being distracted right now from this moment. But God, I pray that you grab a hold of each pair of eyes and you grab a hold of each heart and you grab a hold of each mind and, 
and you, you draw them to you, Jesus. If there's a confession of sins that need to be had, Lord, I pray that that takes place right now. If someone needs to turn to you and say, forgive me, I put you at the same level of everything else, may they just ask for forgiveness right now, God. If someone's being dragged around, Lord, in this world and they haven't really seen it that way, but maybe you're speaking to them and saying you're being dragged around and you're going to be in pieces, oh, speak to their heart too. And if that's you, would you just say, Jesus, I want to be a single-minded follower of Christ. I want to fix my eyes on you. I want to be able to determine the better over the good. Help me. Help me. And I know the result of that is I won't worry. I'll trust. So right now, I turn to you with all of my heart. Jesus, you are Lord. Maybe you need to ask Jesus into your heart. You need to say, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. Thank you, God, for your presence. Thank you for what you're doing here. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church/give.